If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Today, I have a listener episode for you, and I have always wanted to have more men come on the show to do a listener episode. And today, I have Jake on the podcast, and it was such a good episode. I really, really enjoyed talking to him. And He is 32, he lives in New York, and he was in a relationship for four and a half years, and the relationship ended in January. He was broken up with and really took a honestly very beautiful approach to his healing and was able to see in the ways that he contributed to the breakup. He talks about his codependency and how he really relied on partners to for his happiness and that he did not have a world of his own and learning the difference between codependency and interdependency. He talks about how he was so open to seeking help from therapists, psychologists. He talks about how he realized that he had been relying on smoking weed for like the last 16 years of his life to kind of numb any pain or any edge that he had and how after the breakup he quit that completely and was was able to finally learn how to cope with his feelings and learn new tools and he's honestly like everything that I talk about on the podcast he has implemented finding new hobbies going to the gym doing things to improve himself and and I love his honesty on he says, you know, I would love for her to come back into my life, but I'm still moving forward and nothing's going to stop me from moving forward. And I think that's great. I think a lot of people are in that position. And I'm here to say, like, that's a totally great place to be in when people say, how do I accept my breakup? You do exactly what Jake does in this episode where you can still have the hope, but you want to move forward. So I loved this episode. Super excited to share it with you guys. Welcome, Jake, to Heal Your Heartbreak. It is so nice to have you on for a listener episode. Can you start off by just saying a little bit about you? Sure. My name is Jake. I currently live in Brooklyn, New York. I am an engineer, although reluctant, I think is the best way to describe it. I am 
avid skier, traveler, foodie, and just love having a great time wherever I can. Awesome. I love that. Well, can you tell us just a little Cliff Notes version of your relationship? Um, We'll get into the breakup later on, but just to give like a little bit of a glimpse into the relationship that you had. Sure. Absolutely. My former partner and I met on Hinge uh, in like spring 2018. She and I had instant chemistry. We ended up doing a quote unquote tequila tasting our first date, which turned into just doing a shot and then, you know, having dinner and then making out in a bar a couple blocks away. And the chemistry was just palpable. You know, she had a very busy lifestyle and, you know, had a lot of trips with friends planned and I was working weird hours. So we only saw each other every couple weeks or something like that for a while. And, you know, it was just fun and cool and sexy and great. And then things started getting serious probably into the mid to late summer. When, you know, we started dating, you know, she was around more and we started dating full time. And then, you know, this is kind of challenging, but her mother suffered a very serious medical complication that caused her to not be present in New York for a long time. And that was pretty much the day that we became exclusive, actually. We had the conversation and then the next day she had to go back home to take care of her mom for an extended period of time. And so we were pretty much long distance for a while. And I ended up visiting her family, you know, back where she was from to kind of see how her mom was doing and then went to some of the various hospitals and facilities that her mom was at. She ended up coming back to New York probably in 2019, essentially full time. And, you know, that's when we started dating in earnest and we had just a blast. You know, we, I would stay over at her place, We, you know, one day during the week. One day on the weekend, she lived in like Jersey City area and I was living in Westchester. So like it was, you know, long distance as far as New York City is concerned. But we both worked in the city and, you know, we both were in similar industries. So we were just able to make it work and had a great time. And, you know, we kind of had talked about like the pandemic, uh, excuse me, we had talked about like moving in together. And then the pandemic just kind of short circuited all our plans because her roommates had moved out and my lease was up essentially right as the pandemic started. And so I moved in with her into Hudson County, New Jersey, and we just kind of weathered the pandemic together. And, you know, I don't want to say that it was a good time because it wasn't a great time for anyone. But, you know, we made it work. We formed a very, you know, she had a ton of friends in the area and we formed a really great circle. And it was just it was a great relationship. But I had not finished grieving a previous relationship that I had been in for a number of years. And so I brought a lot of that into the relationship in its get-go, you know, living with another, I had lived with that previous partner and then living with this partner brought up a lot of issues that were unresolved that took a long time for me to work through. And then, you know, our relationship just started deteriorating because of a variety of reasons. You know, she was taking care of her mom a lot. She's very social and, you know, very outgoing and has tons of friends. So she wasn't present in the way that I thought I needed her to be. And, you know, I don't want to say we drifted apart because I don't think that's true, but I coped on in unhealthy ways with her, you know, relationship style and my avoidant kind of anxious attachment styles also did not help with that at all. But essentially we, you know, I started seeking validation outside of the relationship and started these emotional affairs. You know, it's easier for me to message someone than it is to make friends and it was just really not a great and healthy place. You know, I was seeking validation and happiness from my 
relationship instead of like internally, uh, which I think is an overarching theme to, you know, my self-discovery and recovery in this whole process. And it all came to a head after she found out, you know, that I'd been lying about some things and, you know, talking to people, you know, in, in emotional infidelity behind her back. And, you know, we tried to make it work. This was November 2022 when this all came out. And then we tried to make it work for a couple months. And, you know, we went on this amazing vacation to Hawaii and, you know, just weren't able to keep things together. And, you know, the holidays came through and it was still rocky. And, you know, she pulled the plug in January 2023. And, you know, it was a tragedy and it's a heartbreaking, but you know, she needed to put on her oxygen mask first and, you know, save herself because that's the most important person is you. And uh, essentially, we tried couples counseling and she decided that couples counseling wasn't the direction that she wanted to go in. This is after the breakup as well. And then we ended up going no contact April 2023 and at the advice of our couples therapist. And it didn't really work. No contact. We were kind of breaking it both ways. And then I decided just for my own healing that November 2023, I just needed to cut her off completely. And, you know, it's been no contact since then, essentially. So that's kind of the relationship and the breakup a little bit in a nutshell. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I very obviously I'm sure a lot of this has come in hindsight, like looking back on some of the like lessons learned and and things like that. Do you feel like you obviously you did not want the relationship to end when it happened no i she had you know broken up with me when she found out all this information you know in november but like we had been house shopping we had been ring shopping we had Mm -hmm. this trip to hawaii planned the holidays were coming up it's like well maybe we should have pulled the trigger then and that's why i kind of call it a slow motion breakup because she did break up with me in november yeah and then I kind of convinced her, like, give me another shot. We can figure this out. You know, I, you know, had a marijuana dependency. I was unable to kind of cope with my feelings. I, you know, had this self-validation problem. You know, my therapy just wasn't working at the time. And, you know, I just wasn't connecting the dots in the way that I could. And I just wasn't able to cope with my emotions and my feelings. And I just, like, took them out in very unproductive ways on her and on myself And I just wasn't growing. And, you know, when you don't grow, you die. And, you know, pretty much, you know, the end of January, when she decided to pull the plug, I'm sure that she'd been thinking about it for weeks beforehand Mm -hmm. and finally came to that hard decision. And then, you know, as we went through the breakup process, you know, there were a couple moments where it's like, well, maybe we maybe we won't do this. But, you know, she pretty much, you know, said that in order for what she needs, she needs to do this. And, you know, my healing came once I was able to say, I'm the most important person to me and not necessarily my relationship. Yeah. And so you guys did the couples counseling post breakup, right? Well, we had actually done couples counseling during the pandemic, but we both didn't really find it super effective. You know, it Mm -hmm. it kept hitting a raw nerve that we weren't ready to, I wasn't ready to bandage yet. Yeah. You know, you know, she's a very social outgoing, busy person. And I just had, you know, in a very micro view, I was, just unable to cope with that. But then you zoom out to a macro view and it's like, well, I wasn't able to cope with that because I didn't have my own world to build off of. Mm -hmm. I had made my relationship, my world. I had decided, or, you know, based on my attachment styles and the codependency that I had experienced in a previous partnership, I pretty much brought that codependency, you know, style to my current or former, I guess at this point relationship. And, you know, 
we're supposed to be building an interdependent relationship, not a codependent yeah. relationship. And, you know, that's, I just, I just couldn't cope. Yeah. As simple as that. Yeah. But yeah, we had done couples therapy, but, you know, like Thanksgiving 2021, it just, it didn't stick. And then we tried couples therapy once the breakup happened. And she essentially made it clear that the couples therapy was for me to come to terms with what was happening okay. after a certain point, because we did this emotionally focused therapy. We had these, we have this wonderful therapist and it's a tragedy that we weren't able to work with him more, but you know, shout out Evan. But, you know, he said like the goal of this process is to try to get you guys to work things out. And she was just like, well, I'm not there. I don't want to mm -hmm. work things out. You need to, you know, me being her partner or former partner need to figure out how I can change sustainably and how I can be a person that's happy and be a person that's self-sufficient and not just codependent on my partner and rely on my partner for my internal happiness when it's not their job to create, their job is to support my happiness, not to create happiness for me. Yeah. I think that's a lesson that so many, I mean, that's a lesson that I had to learn. And I, I actually like remember early on with my husband where he said like, I'm not responsible for your happiness. And I remember being like, what? Yeah. You, what do you mean? Yeah, of course you are. And like then having to over time realize like, yeah, you're not, you're not responsible for my happiness. I'm responsible for my happiness. You add to my happiness and you, you know, bring things into my life that bring, that make me happy. But I think so many of us have to have to learn that. And most of us learn it like the really hard way. Did she give you like feedback on that? Like, was it something that you were aware of or was it something that you just like couldn't really see oh yeah i could see it plain as day that okay. i was generating happiness from my partner not internally and you know based on you know i had been an everyday marijuana smoker from the moment i turned 16 to essentially 32 you know i was just yeah. coping in just like really poor poor ways and you know i just was using this substance just to mask my feelings mm -hmm. and just like pretend that the world didn't exist or like whatever problems I had, even if I wanted to do something about them, I just totally lacked the skills and lacked the abilities and like the true motivation to make a change on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. And so she would be like, you know, like, you know, recognizing now I have these belonging wounds and prioritization wounds and you know, all things like that. And, you know, I was begging her, begging her, begging her to make me a priority when it's like, she was making me a priority. I just wasn't able to recognize, you know, she was making me a priority in terms of the relationship, but, you know, being my partner and living with me and supporting me through all of my struggles. But, you know, I just reckon, you know, and recognize in hindsight that I just, even if I wanted to make a change, I just couldn't, I just totally, completely lacked the abilities to do so. Yeah. Well, I think that's like, before getting sober, I was a, you know, daily marijuana smoker too. And I like never, I don't know, I never saw that much harm in it. And I know it's like, I know it can be really helpful to certain people. I was kind of the same way too, where it was just kind of this, like, it just took the edge off of everything. And what I didn't realize is like, we learn and we're like motivated to learn when we're in pain. But if you're like constantly putting this like dull, like duller thing on your pain, you're never like sometimes we just need that rug ripped out so we are able to look for other solutions. But if you're like, eh, I don't know, like I'm not super happy with this, but I, I'm not that 
worried about her. I'm not in that much pain about it. And that's why breakups can be such a powerful change agent because the rug is ripped out. We are in a ton of pain and we're like, I will do anything to not feel this way. So I think, yeah, I think when you kind of have that like crutch kind of thing to take, take the edge off, you know, you're not going to make any significant changes. Absolutely. It was essentially just me putting a, like forcing down my ability to just want and to do anything. You know, my psychologist, shout out Aaron, was pretty much just like, dude, you were just like, no matter what you wanted to do, you just didn't even have the tools to do so. You were actively preventing yourself from doing it. Yeah. Whether you thought so or not, you numbing yourself, you know, she would go out to happy hour or stay late from happy hour, go out with friends or like go visit her family, which are all totally normal things to do. And I would just sit around the house, watch football, get stoned, watch TV, get stoned, do whatever it took, just ignore everything. And that's not a life to build for yourself. Mm -hmm. That doesn't lead to a happiness in a relationship. That just leads to you numbing your pain. And that's the last thing you need to be doing when your partner is telling you, I want to be me and I want you to be you, but you need to accept me for who I am a little bit. And when you don't want to do that, and then you just numb the pain around you about how you feel in the relationship, then you're just, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. So let's talk about like when that rug was ripped out, like what did that as someone, and I know, you know, part of your history is like you were in relationships for essentially like what, 10 years, like kind of continuously. I had, yeah, essentially I was um, in a relationship from my senior year of college through you know 2012 to like 2017 2016 2017 and then you know being single in new york you come and go out of relationships, especially in your mid to early you know late 20s you're coming in and out of relationships like as you meet people none of those were nearly as tragic or heartbreaking as this because we were essentially planning a life together we had we had been looking at houses we had an offer at one point accepted on a house million dollar house in New Jersey. I'm glad we didn't buy. But still, we had a, an offer on a house that was accepted. We were looking at gorgeous engagement rings in, in ways that, you know, with my previous partners, both my long-term partner and, you know, my shorter term partners, we just hadn't had this ability to, you know, think about our future together. And, you know, she really wanted kids very badly. And she is, you know, and I understand men are late bloomers, but like, you know, she essentially made me realize that having kids was something that was really important to me as well. And so when this happened, it was just total, complete. Well, I won't say it's shock because when I got the text message, like, we need to talk and I raced home, I was like, I know exactly what's going on. She had had therapy that day. And I was like, you know, this is it. I don't know exactly what this is going to look like, but it's going to be bad. I get home. She's packed, you know, with just the essentials to escape to her family's house. You know, this essentials being like four suitcases and her dirty laundry. Let's not pretend that she packed light. And then, you know, she was on her way and I was shocked and then just total denial. Just like this isn't real. This isn't going to happen because I had been broken up with, you know, by my previous long term partner before. And it lasted like three days. And then she came back because I was able to fix things or, you know, convince her that things were going to be different. But this last one, the, the most recent she was smarter and better than the rest and realized that this is what she needed to do to guarantee her at least short-term health and happiness. Yeah. And, you know, she was gone for a couple of days and, you know, I was like, all right, we're going to find us a couples counselor. I am going to double my therapy. I had a great therapist at the time. Shout out, Doug. Shout and out treatment team. We, we love the treatment team. 
Yeah, there's still more people to shout out when we get there. <laughs> and I was like, all right, couples therapy. I ended up going to like, I was not a gym person at all. Literally like hadn't, hadn't entered a gym since I was 15 years old for any purpose. You know, I'm active, but like not a gym rat. And I was like, all right, treadmill, here we go. 15 minutes. And I was just like, cause you know, she's like, you know, your mental health is taking, you know, is affected by your physical activity. Those endorphins that you generate, you know, from physical activity will help you be kinder, nicer to me. And I was like, okay, yeah. Like when she's gone, I'm like, day of, we're doing this right now. It was shock. It was denial. It was just like the rug was ripped out underneath me and I was spiraling. And, you know, I called my parents and I think I went to their place because it was a Friday. So like I went to their place like the next day or something like that. And and it was just a the worst moment of my entire life, to say the least. Yeah. So what were your tools like? in the early days, like your coping tools. And I know our earliest coping skills are not the best. They're kind of refined and learned over time. But how did you, what were like those early days? Like, how did you just cope with the reality? Oh, God, I was smoking pot, very easy coping mechanism, trying to work out trying to be in denial. I, I didn't talk to anyone about it. I was just like, I was just existing. Honestly, I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping. I was journaling a little bit but not in the way that I am now. I was right. You know, I went through a period of like anxiety, depression when I was like 13, 14. And I found just like writing things down when I couldn't sleep and was just super anxious was helpful. And in the beginning, I found it to be really helpful. But uh, what was also really helpful was just like (sighs) taking extensive notes about my conversations with therapy in therapy And with her when we, cause we were talking on the phone, like every day, you know, trying to figure out like how she felt and how I felt and what her thoughts were. And just like, I have this notebook, essentially, I call this the breakup notebook because like it has every conversation, you know, notes of every conversation that we had that I could go back and reference and be like, oh, well, she said this, she said that, you know, I started a gratitude list very early on, just like three positive things is what I call it. Three positive things that happened to me every day. And I started actually the day that the breakup happened. I didn't actually start at the day of, I went retroactive, but like my mom sent me an article from like the Wall Street Journal where she said like, put a post a note on your mirror that says enthusiasm. So that way, you know, to be enthusiastic and put a mirror at your desk. So that way you smile when you're on the phone, because people can tell when you're smiling and in a better mood and then start this gratitude list. And Honestly, those were the things that I did at first to cope was just literally just like the gratitude list, workout, smoke pot and enter therapy and, you know, really intensively. And I found a psychiatrist, that psychiatrist helped me kind of kick the habit of smoking pot every day, you know, prescribe some medication to help me with that and then give me some over the counter supplement ideas. And, you know, she ended up coming back actually for, you know, like, after three or four weeks full time, because, you know, she worked in the city and I worked in the city. And, you know, we had this apartment that we shared. So we essentially were co living together, cohabitating for like five weeks until like, we actually truly moved out of the apartment, which was also just remarkably difficult because, you know, we were, you know, hooking up all the time. And we just both knew it was a bad idea. But we both just were just profoundly sad. And, you know, it just, it was hard to cope with those first couple of days. And, you know, 
obviously the person that gets broken up with copes worse than the person that, you know, has come to that decision because of the time frame it takes to kind of make that decision. You know, you don't walk into breaking up a four and a half year relationship overnight. It takes yeah. weeks, months of, you know, asking yourself, I'm, am I in the right place? And it was obvious to her that she wasn't. And, you know, I, I'm grateful for her for burning the foundation, burning the bridge, doing whatever she needed to, to feel safe because we were never going to wind up happy if she hadn't. I needed to improve myself profoundly and I needed to grow. And yes, she had her own issues that she needed to deal with. But, you know, I can truly recognize that like I wasn't in a place where I was being able to have a relationship with the same person for the next 30 years of my life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day -day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. So in the beginning when you're making these changes, are you doing them in hopes that it will make her want to change her mind? Or were you kind of just like, I just have to do this for me? Can the answer be both? Totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I implemented the changes that she wanted because I knew that's what I needed. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Totally. You know, I started eating healthy. I start, you know, I, you know, you get the munchies when you smoke pot every day. So like yeah. I was having ice cream sandwiches like every day, Ben and Jerry's just like total junk. 
you know, all the time, cut all that out, start going to the gym for hours and hours, you know, one, the endorphins and the dopamine help, but also like to get in better shape and to be healthy. You know, she'd been begging me for a fertility assessment for years and I just kept putting it off, kept putting it off, kept putting it off, did it like the two days after we moved out, I like scheduled an appointment with the urologist at a fertility clinic to like, you know, get the full workup done. I did the things that I knew that I needed to do in order to be the best version of myself. And if they wound me back up with her, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And I probably started them because I was hoping that. Yeah. And there's still a little bit of hope thinking that it might turn around. But at the same time, the changes that I implemented were so important to me because it showed me that like there's a whole other way to live that I wasn't living. You know, I started going to yoga class to connect the mind and the body and the spirit. I sought out like a therapist to help me work on my attachment issues and my childhood issues and my belonging wounds and just like figure out like how I turned into the person that I was because, you know, I had a decently normal childhood, two supportive parents, grew up in the suburbs, like and didn't want for anything. Like, so what was it that I brought from my childhood into my adolescence, teenage years, college years, you know, young adulthood, young career, professional, et cetera, that kind of turned me into this person that I wasn't even able to be happy with myself, let alone with a partner. And so the changes that I brought forth were because I wasn't happy, you know, I was at the end of my second failed long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. At that point, it stops becoming your partner being the problem and starts becoming you being the problem. Yeah. Or at least, at least mostly, you know, everyone has their own faults, but I knew that my actions and my lack of ability to self-validate and seek, you know, people to have, you know, emotional affairs with via text message, via the phone, those, that was the problem. It wasn't anything that she was giving me or not giving me. It was my inability to cope with someone being present in my life and not giving me what I wanted. Yeah. I think that's really important. I went through something really similar in therapy where I had same, my, like my parents are still married. They're I mean, they were on the podcast, like they're very healthy individuals, but like I still had stuff. And I think that was really hard for me to come to terms with. I felt like I shouldn't have any of these like intense wounds or anything like that. And I even like in therapy, I would be telling something and then I'd be like, my parents are really great. And my therapist is like, you don't have to defend them. You know, like you're allowed to just like have your experience that that you went through. And so I think that's important to say that it's okay to have stuff, even if you had a quote unquote, great childhood, perfect childhood kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call it perfect. They did their best. You know, my parents are professionals, you know, one's an attorney, one's a investment banker, you know, they were out of the house a lot, nannies, au pairs, babysitters. And, you know, we essentially had to fend for ourselves growing up, you know, we had to teach our caregivers how to care for us. And so that led to all kinds of issues where, you know, I just am fiercely independent, but also intensely lash on to people. And then when people don't give me what I'm looking for, I then like, will cast them aside. Be like, oh, well, you're not providing me this support that I need. You know, that's the interplay between the avoidant attachment style and the anxious attachment style. So, you know, I've got the worst of both, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah, you hit the the jackpot on attachment styles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that that five ten percent, you know. And I've done some, you know, some of the books that you know some of the authors that you had on your podcast that you know kind of led me in this direction. You know, anxiously attached was one of them. I, I literally have a list of the books that I've read. Uh, Vienna 
Theron's yeah, I was going to ask if well. you read Vienna's book because I was like, that's like the belonging wound and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she's amazing. I read that one. She was fantastic. And then I just finished Attached by Armin something or other. I forget yeah, Mira Levine. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. That yeah. eye-opening. I also read Wired for Love by Stan Tatkin. I think I'm probably mispronouncing that. But that was just like, I'm literally going to give my ex a copy of that book and be like, I wish I had known all of this about attachment styles and being in a relationship when we were together. And God forbid, you know, we don't mind up together, whatever, bring this to your next relationship. And I promise you that this will help you connect with that person in ways that we should have. And I wish that we had. And so it's just been about learning why I am the way that I am and learning how to develop better habits, better coping mechanisms. You know, if, if you understand the problem, you can defeat the problem. Mm-hmm. And also the worst thing that's ever happened to me, I'm so fortunate, is this breakup. You know, I, no one in my family has gotten remarkably sick or injured. Well, we did have a ski injury. My partner had a very, you know, she tore her ACL skiing in California. But, you know, like, I'm lucky that didn't happen to me. And so the worst thing that's ever happened to me is this breakup. But I'm still alive. Yeah. And I'm still healthy. And I can still, I have a great job. And I have my family. And I have a few friends. I had, you know, part of the interdependent codependency that I'd become friends with all of her friends. And then when the breakup happened, I lost like 90% of my friends. But I'm okay. The worst thing that's ever happened to me has already happened to me. And so I'm fucking fearless now. Nothing bothers me. I was the complete and total aversion to karaoke. I'm going out and doing karaoke now. I got my song. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like, I have no fear. And I'm developing hobbies and that I didn't have before. Watching football on TV is not a hobby. That's something fun to do, but it's not a hobby. So I'm playing golf and I'm playing tennis. And yes, these are things that she wanted to do with me when I was in a relationship with her, but I'm doing them because they're fun. And I'm good at them and they're exciting and I enjoy it. And I'm working out all the time because I look great and I feel great. And I'm going to Soul Cycle at lunch because I want to get a workout in. And like I'm doing this not because I think I'm going to get back with my former partner. I'm doing this because they're making me into the best version of myself that I possibly can be because that's who I want to be. Yeah. Honestly, it's amazing. Super inspirational. I call them like breakup guts where we get like super fearless after after breakups and it's powerful and like clearly you've really been able to harness that and I think two questions unless another one pops up but one of my questions is what was the turning point for you to like accept the breakup because it sounds like there were quite a few months of like I mean obviously living together for five weeks is so hard what was kind of the point where you were like okay this is what it is and I and I just have to like let it go for now yes so I took the ring budget money that I put aside and booked myself a trip to Paris. My first solo trip of my entire life, truly solo. Like I had gone places and spent a little bit of time alone and then linked up with groups or like did a trip and then met some people out there or something like that. But this was like, all right, I'm going to Paris for five days and I am going to just do all the things that I want to do you know, you know, I'm 32. So like, you know, people go with their family growing up, especially where I'm from, you know, or they go in college, or they go, you know, post grad or something like that. But I'm 32. And I'm a pretty extensive traveler, I'd never been to France. So I'm like, I'm going to Paris, I found some good flights, I found some time off. And I get to Paris, and I am just absolutely miserable, just truly miserable, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to share this with her, or someone, we had been in Hawaii, 
six months beforehand. And that was an incredible vacation. And we just did everything together. And I, it was just a wonderful, I would move back to Hawaii tomorrow in a heartbeat if I could. And I was in Paris and I was eating at some of the finest restaurants in the world and looking at the most amazing art in the world and shopping at Gucci and Dior and just like having the best on paper trip of anyone's lifetime. But I was just miserable. And I remember on the last night of the trip, I was going to fly out the next morning. There had been a garage collapse in lower Manhattan. And she had texted me asking me if I was all right, because I work in lower Manhattan. But if you look at the location of the garage collapse relative to my office, it wasn't anywhere near there. We're coworkers, which adds a whole other level of complicatedness to this. Okay. Yeah. We, you know, we work in two separate office buildings. Okay. We're for the same company, but two separate office buildings. Thank God. So I had an away message up. You know, she could have messaged my parents to figure out if, you know, if I was okay. There were a million ways for her to find out if I was okay instead of texting me when we were in a period of no contact. And I was just like, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm done. So I got home and, you know, she also, I saw, you know, I was still following her Instagram and I saw that she was, you know, doing an egg extraction or a consult or something like that. I'm just like, well, she's clearly proceeding with a life without me, you know, long-term plans without me. She is not helping my mental state and helping me cope and helping me accept the things that she's constantly reaching out. So I, working with the couples therapist who agreed to see me a couple times after couple therapy couple therapy ended and my therapist and my psychiatrist we pretty much came together with like a very respectful but direct text message to her to say listen if you don't want to talk about us as a couple you need I'm block I'm blocking you and unless you want to talk about us as a couple you can't reach out and so I unfriended her on Instagram or unfollowed I unfollowed all of her friends Minus like a couple coworkers and one that lives close to some friends of mine. And I was just like, listen, like, I, I can't deal with this. And that was May 1st. And, you know, we've been no contact since. And that like April 19th, May 1st was the lowest I had in this entire breakup. Mm-hmm. But it kind of gave me the inertia and the trajectory to like, okay, we are going, I'm, I need to worry about me now and not my breakup and not my former partner so you know my psychiatrist put me on some meds to kind of help with some really minor depression symptoms and that was really helpful and you know listening to your podcast also just like figuring out that i wasn't alone and these are totally normal things and i'm i was addicted to my partner like i was addicted to drugs yeah the oxytocin the dopamine the uh, norepinephrine like all of that stuff it's just all in your brain. And I was addicted to her and I just needed to break that cycle. And cold turkey was the best way I knew how. It was the only way I knew how because she wasn't respecting no contact, despite the fact that no contact was what she wanted in a breakup. That's what you do. You go no contact. Even if you work together, there are firewalls that you can put in place. My boss had agreed to help me with them. Yeah. Who was, ironically enough, also one of her friends before we I got hired. So like, you know, the system, I needed to put a system in place to make myself understand that this breakup was happening whether i wanted to or not and it was on it was the ball was in my court now i needed to take back the power to make myself feel better and accept what was happening and not just give what she was taking not just take what she was giving me but actually like 
take some agency over what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard. Like when you're in a position where, yeah, ideally you do want to get back together, but you know that the contact is hurting way more than than anything. It, that's a really hard place to be in where you're like, I wish I could have you, but I can't just have part of you. So I I got to I have to stop this. And I think it totally takes what it takes when it comes to no contact. And I think most people have to go through an experience where they're at their lowest low to be like, I can't I just I cannot do this anymore. And I love that you got the feedback from like that people helped you. I think that's such a huge part of your story is you're like, I'm open to help. Like I want, I want help. I want to change. I think so few people open themselves up like that. And I think that's where like the huge change happens. And how have you felt since cutting off contact since? Yeah. I would love I like nothing that. else. And, you know, you know I would love, I love nothing the honesty. else. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm an honest person. I, like I said, the worst thing that's ever happened to me has already happened. So yeah. like, I got nothing to do except bare my soul. I would love nothing else to receive a phone call or a text message or an email saying I was wrong. You know, let's try this out. But I know more better than anyone else that that phone call ain't coming. So I just have to move on with grace. And you know, I even received text messages from her friends saying like, I really appreciate how mature you both are being in this process. Because like, it's harmful, it's hurtful. And you just need to move forward with kindness and love and love for your former partner, but also love for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what I took away from this is that like, I needed to love myself in the same way that I love, I need to love myself more than I love my partner. So my, my takeaway is that while I want her back, if she's not going to come back, that's not going to stop me from growing and healing. And the moment I knew that I was on a great trajectory, is when I had a crush on someone. I love. I had it. met a friend. Yeah, I had met a friend of a friend, and it, like I knew that it was never going to work out. It just like totally, just like you know, star-crossed lovers. Just you know, just it was never going to work out. But she was cool and like checked all my boxes, and I was like, all right, I'm in a great place if I can be honest with myself and say as much as I want my former partner back, I can also see that there's people out there that I'm ready for. You know, and I'm not dating now. I'm not like going out and meeting people, but I might be soon. Yeah. And that's so much better of a place than I was in in May and in June. And, you know, I just I'm taking the power back and accepting that I have a lot to grow, but I also have a lot to offer. There's also that. nothing wrong with me previously. You know, that's what our couples therapist said is, you know, you are whole, you are valid. But if you want to be a better version of yourself, you possess those tools mm -hmm. You or you need to take advantage of the tools to do that because you possess the ability to do so. And like you have to see that you're enough and like that you have all of the elements to be a whole person and that you're not like half of a puzzle. You have everything that you need and you can use the tools to take advantage of that. And like someone can come into your life that just adds to that instead of, you know, makes up for the things that you don't have. Exactly. When this first started, I felt I lost everything. I one point have a journal entry about I have my car, I have my friends, three friends, I have my job, and like half an apartment's worth of stuff. And that's it. But that doesn't mean that I can't regenerate. That doesn't mean that I can't become whole again. 
I am now living in Brooklyn, someplace I'd never lived before, you know, just doing my own thing and, you know, existing in this world, a world that I didn't want for myself, mm -hmm. but I'm happy that I'm here now. Yeah. Yeah. Man, your story is so, I like really, really appreciate your honesty in this. I think a lot of people, you know, feel the way that you're feeling, but don't necessarily say that. And I think that's great. Like, I think it's such a, an honest position to be like, I would love if they came back, but I'm also going to keep moving forward. And that's what I tell people when they're like, how do I accept the breakup? And people will say, how do I get rid of this hope that they're going to come back? And I'm like, you can move on independent of having hope that you're going to come back as long as you're not acting on it. And as long as you're not just sitting there and just waiting for them, as long as you're doing what you're doing, which is moving forward, you can still have that hope. Like it's still going to be there and eventually it'll pass. But yeah, I think it's great. Like those two things can coexist that you're like the perfect example of that. When I say, how do you accept a breakup? It's like you move on as if you've already accepted it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you said is because you're human. It is totally human to love someone. It is yeah. totally human to be heartbroken when someone breaks up with you. It's totally human to want that person back in your life. But human spirit perseveres. And part of being human is saying that I'm going to move forward the best I know how because there's no other option. Yeah. And, you know, this process has taught me that there are, this person, if they wanted to be my person, would still be in my life. And they made the decision to save themselves and I respect the hell out of them. And I will always love this person for the rest of our lives. They were a huge part of helping me survive the pandemic and survive some of the lowest points in my life prior to the breakup. And I know I helped her cope with the pandemic and her mom and her injury. And she'll always love me for that. But if we're meant to be, we'll be meant to be. And I just, you can't, you can't fight a rising tide. Well, Thank you so much, Jake, for for coming on and, and sharing your story. It's it's truly, truly very powerful. I always kind of end the same way on the listener episodes. And my question is, if you could go back to the moment that she ended the relationship and tell yourself something, what would you say? I would say that the road in front of you is long and hard, but if you put in the work, you're going to figure it out and that the road to self-improvement is to bear your soul to sometimes whoever will listen and find the help that you need because you possess all the tools within you to be the best version of yourself you just need to take advantage of them and your relationship shouldn't define you and yes you did some bad things in the relationship but you too can heal from this because you have to there's no other choice. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I'm like so inspired by by your story and I'm so excited for people to be able to hear this and yeah, I just appreciate it so much. Yeah, I hope that I can help, you know, anyone struggling with it, especially some of the guys out there that are going through heartbreak, you know, you're not alone. This community is great. You're amazing. Your advice is so perfect. Whenever I needed to hear it, I I heard it and you know, I've, I'm sure you hear this too. I've listened to like every podcast episode going back to pre pandemic or during the pandemic or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, the nuggets of wisdom are in there. You just need to be open to healing and hearing them. And if you can hear them, you too can heal. 
Wow. Thank you. That's so kind. And I really appreciate that. So thanks, Jake. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Like I said, I'm still fangirling that I'm in front of you. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.